For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? Stop. Put your hand in the box. I hold at your neck. The gomja box. It's not fear. Fear is the mind killer. And fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. But I will face my fear. I need it to pass over me and through me. The Duke? will die before these eyes, and he'll know, he'll know, that it is I, Van Vladimir Harkonnen, who encompasses his doom. <laughs> the Sleeper Awakens. Yummy, 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 I've got Dune in my tummy, and it feels like reading books. <laughs> All right. Now I'm in the mood. Hello, I am your God Emperor, Henry Zabrowski, and here is my human wife. Holden McNeely. I oblige you, sir, and I come with my milk. And I will feed baby, but I will feed dad as well. Do you think that maybe your love will allow me to feel what it is to dance in a field? (laughs) To be with my sweet, sweet C.H. again? (laughs) Maybe. Okay. Um, we'll see about it. Welcome to episode de. That's the French. Welcome to the episode de of Dunecast. We're going to be going a little bit more into the plot of Dune 1, but I tell you this next little section, this quarter that we're going through is a lot more philosophy than it is actual action. To the point where I think, Henry, you are testing me right now. Mm -hmm. Because I've been saying, what are we covering this episode? And he'll sort of start talking like he's answering. But then he'll, yes, exactly. And then he'll twist it Mm. and turn. Then he just started quoting a passage from the book that I don't even think is in the section we are covering. The Orange Catholic Bible. I will always lay litany (laughs) down upon you. It is what you like. It's important for you to know that a stone is weighty and the sand is heavy, but a fool's wrath (laughs) is heavier than them both. (laughs) You're so excited that you remembered your quote. I did. Uh, I will say, I want to, wait, we should probably recap what happened in the episode before before no, we move forward. Nothing? Absolutely not. Listen to that episode. No, just to say, Paul and uh, Jessica, his mother, they have, have been, been cast out into the desert. Thrown Their out. Father has been murdered. He was supposed to take over Dune and, and uh, all the spice these sorts industry. of shenanigans. But now we're in the section of the book where the bad guys are winning. Baron Harkonnen, yes. The, Harkonnen. Uh, Harkonnen. It's, I actually remember this all the time. I have to constantly fix myself to say Harkonnen. Oh, okay. And not Harkonnen. How do you get that from, what did you get that from? The Lynch Audiobooks. Dude? Oh, okay. You gotta get it from the audiobooks. It's the only time I've ever heard any of these words said. And I think that's what's really important, yes. too. If you are reading along or you are delving into the world of Dune, the audiobooks are nice because you can really disappear into them and you can finally hear the pronunciations of half of the shit. And it's also fun to hear a weird old British man go, 
I don't understand. What is my terrible purpose? Okay, I like him being Paul and Jessica at the same time. So now we know that the Jessica and Paul, they were supposed to have been murdered by Harkonnen men, right? They were supposed to be taken. um, They specifically assigned a deaf soldier to tie up Jessica's because they knew they've heard about this so-called powers, these witches' powers that the Bene Gesserit have. And that's what we'll talk about a little bit more in detail today. Yes. Um, but I love the scene because the deaf one, right? Because the idea is they control people with the power of their voice, but it's a little bit more subtle than it's shown in the Dune films. Yes. Also, I, I think it's very important to note that they say witch a lot and they throw around these terms, it's right? It's slur in Dune world. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's the Bene Gesserit which we're going to get into. And yes, they are technically like these witchy, witchy women and they are fun and witchy. Well, they're highly trained, but highly capable women. It's, it's like based in, it's when books, I really like this in Name of the Wind as well to name drop another fantasy book I oh, love. Yeah. But I love when they base the quote unquote magic in some kind of science. And in this case, the voice, the way they fight, it's all based in actually physical techniques. So there's no true magic involved. It's literally decades and decades and decades. I mean, hundreds of years of technique training well, Dune that is has allowed the, this for them. Dune is the epitome of soft sci-fi. Mm. Which is what that means, which is the idea that oh, we are in a totally human future. There is yes. no robots. There are some aliens well, that we'll yes. meet eventually. But the goal here is that it is all about what is the peak of the potential of humanity? And that's kind of what the Bene Gesserit are supposed to be. And that's why I wanted to go back. And did we talk about the Butlerian Jihad? Uh, because I think if we're going to talk about the Bene Gesserit, we have to, in a way, talk about the Butlerian Jihad that sets all this up. Did we speak towards it much? We d- A little bit but it, to be honest it's vague in the books unless you're reading the prequels right right now you just know for a fact that the butlerian jihad happened and that what it was was humanity's escape from the league of super smart ais that they had created. terminator happened terminator happened the <laughs> plot of terminator happened, happened on earth on earth on our time period the it, robots won they took over for several years, and, and then, then the Butlerian Jihad we is rose the against of humans coming back, and that explains why. And honestly, I feel like a dumb fuck asshole because I kind of learned this kind of in preparation for this episode this week, and I was like, oh. That really answers a lot. Of it does answer a lot of questions. Four fucking eight hundred page books. But you're supposed to read the <laughs> books with this remaining a mystery because that's kind of what Frank Herbert said as he was writing these books. He liked dropping little seeds and bombs. Like he yes. just wrote the words Butlerian Jihad, yes. and then it kind of expects you to run with it. Well, because what you do notice is like where are the robots? Why are there? This is not robots. This is all titties, all dickies. But you're doing sci-fi. You're like, oh, there must be androids. I mean, they're thousands of years in the future. They have all this high tech stuff. And instead we have mentats. Mentats being humans that act essentially as living computers that have trained their brains, which again is a very fascinating thing. We will get through as we go through the plot points, we'll hit. Yes. We will hit all of I just wanted to throw it out there, though, that technology has been fucking, at least like robotics, have been wiped out from this universe. Yes, we said this last episode as well. But yeah, yes. this is now where, that's why the Bene Gesserit have gotten the control that they have. And, but it's, and, yeah, and the time between the Butlerian Jihad and sort of setting up for, you know, the new era, the, the Bene Gesserit got together and were like, Trixie, Trixie, we're going to fucking puppeteer all this shit using our sort of witchy woman ways. Yes, with the great scattering. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Like, we're, this is the problem is that that's technically in the future. We will reveal all of these as we go. Because I was also, I've never read the prequels. Ah, 
which is very difficult. Yes. Because there's a lot more story in the prequels. But was written by, was not written by. Me old the son, Brian yes, Herbert. by the son. The, the man, no, a man who's, no one has ever loved their father as much as Brian Herbert loves his father. Yes. I just can't imagine continuing my father's work, which is just smoking packs of Marlboro lights and, and screaming at people at public. Do you think they touch foreheads together to get the past, uh, uh, to get the, the memory? They touch fucking tips. You know, touch <laughs> each other's penises. Um, so Jessica's writhing in these raps, right? Which I do love because they, Jessica is also beautiful in their world. Like they're very, very sexually enticed by Jessica. And so finally, this kind of series of shenanigans against Paul gets them all loose because Dr. Yui has set them up because he knew that he was going to be the, the traitor of all time and be known as the traitor of all time. But he loved the Atreides family and he did not want them to be wiped out. And he kind of conversely thought deep down in his brain that, oh, what I'll do is I will create this whole like revenge scenario. He was trying to fix everything by, and he did. He did in a yeah. He did in a way. A man, of course, obviously but sideways. Died, How is but- it all goes? Because again, there's just nothing more human than the world of Dune. So it never quite works out yes. exactly how they want it. to. Something I appreciate about, and you're referring to the poison tooth and Lido, the lead. The one, that's my favorite scene in the first half of the it book. Just it barely misses Harkonnen because and- he's because Harkonnen. Remember, what I love again about Baron Harkonnen, especially in this time period, this is this section of the book is Baron Harkonnen's section of the book. This is when he's really is the most in charge and he's feeling himself. He's wriggling around. He plays. What I like is when they cuts back to like where he is now that they have taken over the, the Arakeen Palace where Duke Leto used to live. And now that everything is fucking in tatters and destroyed, he's living in this grounded space guild freighter. Like he they put this big spaceship on the ground and they put like rugs and pillows on top of everything and they put it like it's very very nice in there and they said the one thing they brought from Gaiety Prime the the Harkonnen home planet was one of those Pete Townsend artworks Mm -hmm. where it was just like it's just little boys like jumping and playing in a stream and he just goes up and he's like Yes, another plan most excellently executed. Him just like rubbing the rumps of these like statue boys. Yes, the the, the art that you get it's the second you become a studio exec that you put in your mm-hmm. living room. He is a studio exec <laughs> and he's loving it. Also, okay, so Harkonnen, my big question was, uh, and the reason why I brought up Mintats and stuff is Baron Harkonnen, one of the things he does is he replaces... Uh, Peter DeVries dies in the poison tube. Well, unfortunately, one of my favorite characters, the Mentat assassin, Peter. Peter, he was, again, Brad Dourif, best character actor in the fucking world, and he just wanted to be in charge of Dune, or he thought he was going to be in charge of Dune. He's immediately got fucking gaped by Dr. Yui, by, well, Duke Leto, who finally, yes. like, bites on the tooth, spits it out, and the Harkonnen, with a sixth sense that can only come from a permanent villain, because he's this fucking very, very large man, on suspenser tracks. How does no one kill this man? He somehow had the reflexes to like, and like spin (laughs) away from the gas. I also told Henry that when I read Dude, the character of Harkonnen, I imagined Henry. I get uh, it a lot. Suspensers. I uh, get it a lot. I can't wait to not walk anymore. With weird warts and stuff all over himself. We We will start a podcast network and it will rule the world. We will show everyone the power. We will squeeze, (laughs) squeeze them for their podcast. So at this point, Baron Harkonnen thinks everybody's fucking dead, right? Yeah. Because they chased him out into the desert. He's first told 
Paul and Jessica are definitely dead. And you're just like, excellent. And he just moves on with his day because, you know, he's a villain. So his job is he thinks like, oh, we've already done it. There's no way my elite group of essentially drug addicted soldiers could possibly be wrong because what we find out is that the guy that loses the job by dying also by Duke Leto the head of the Harkonnen forces gets immediately replaced by another dude who shows up who happens to be addicted to this thing called Samuda which is another one of those things I love when Frank Herbert drops in which is these like weird dune psych drugs these like things that you do where it's like a combination of like it's either a thing you eat or smoke and then you listen to this type of music and then the music puts you into a writhing foam and then you have to take an antidote to pop out of it's it. It's very cyberpunk before cyberpunk even. But it's also just like it's just got a lot to do with because I don't know if Frank Herbert did a lot of drugs. Yeah. I don't know. I need to when I go through we're going to do an episode all about the bio of Frank Herbert because yes. I'd love to find out for certain. And we'll look into it. But there was not he doesn't have that rep like Philip K. Dick had. You no, know, Yeah, he doesn't have the street cred of PKD. Frank <laughs> Herbert was a man who did his homework. These first three books took seven years to write. PKD said that he was writing books that he saw yeah, in memories of fact, a present that hadn't happened yet. The fact He's that literally, wrote, PKD was insane. The fact that he re- it took that long to write it just is a clear indicator he wasn't a speed freak or a fucking I guess so yeah. I mean, he must have just... Pussy hound. He's Pussy someone who was addicted to the, the, the spice down below. I'm going to say there are very clear indications in the writings of the Dune series that he was indeed a pussy <laughs> He was just, he liked the ladies. He <laughs> liked mean, a strong woman. He, yeah, <laughs> Jessica. I mean, you just talked about Jessica. One of the big things about the Bene Gesserit, to, 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 real quick, is just that they are like actually specifically very good at sex. They're very good at sex <laughs> because what they've learned early on is that the Bene Gesserit, they, they are both subtle and not subtle. They use sexuality to their way because what they understand is is that men are incredibly weak, uh, especially when it comes to their wieners. We allow a lot of decisions to flow through the urethra out of our penises and back in. And I don't know why. Just that gravy, baby. With the gravy rules everything, and they understand they have to get a hold of it. This comes from the Dune Companion. Um, this is the Bene Gesserit, an ancient school of mental and physical training. The Bene Gesserit order was established primarily for the female students after the Butlerian Jihad, which is what you said, because the idea is to control all all flows of information. They, they jumped right on it. Yes. Essentially. They um, saw an opening and they, that's exactly what happened. The Valerian Jihad happened. They saw their opening and they were like, we're going to puppeteer the whole over decades and generations. We're going to puppeteer this whole. We're going to take situation. all of this shit. They are, they are, Keen powers of observation, which we'll see play out because Paul gets a shit downloaded straight into the back of his brain. They also are, body manipulators. They can do whatever they want in their own insides. They can control their organs. Like this is an extreme example of what I'd say of like what they say about people that are yogis or uh, very uh, intense martial artists where you can control your body temperature. You control like the, the to the point where you could levitate one of the biggest uh early training techniques is just having someone sit there and only focus on moving just the tip of their pinky toe on one of their feet it's and literally just kill do that for hours style. and hours and hours yes and they do the hand exercises which is what she brings up all the time because the idea is to be able to control every single nerve of your body they're so good at hand manipulation yes. they will make you fucking i don't even want to talk about the bit of massage technique but they also what i like about them is that they you because they have different levels 
levels, right? So the Bene Gesserit have people like what Jessica was, which is essentially a handmaiden to her reverend mother, which is she was just sort of like on her way up working for a boss because the Bene Gesserit, the bosses are called reverend mothers. And they also have these positions within the imperial government where they do things like truth saying, which we'll find out now is that the Baron Harkonnen is very... He's very aware of the fact that what they're doing is both illegal and secret, but he is doing it in cahoots with the emperor. The emperor is there. The emperor is guiding the hand of Baron Harkonnen, but at the same time, the emperor can dump him at any time if he wants because the Harkonnens have to pass the tests of the reverend mothers that are still within the imperium, like imperial control, because it all has to be legit for everybody to make the money that they're supposed to make at the end, even though it doesn't, you know, and then they're going to take it anyway. Uh, but they have to, in order to be a reverend mother, you have to do this thing where you have to go through what's called a spice agony and successfully you transmute the water of life. And what that means is you're given this psychedelic poison that your body has to turn into not poison when you eat it. And the only way to make it to a higher level of being a reverend mother is that you basically have to make it through this ordeal to get through it. And very important note, Jessica, at this point in the story, is not a reverend mother. She is not. She's just a sexy, sexy concubine to a duke also, who's also just fucking one of the deadliest bitches to ever live also to be fair they were cast out in the desert and yes harkonnen should have done his due diligence and made sure they were dead but the desert insanely deadly there are sandworms like well, it's, it's, it's literally walking outside of beetlejuice's house the harkonnen like, like purview you, you, the worms just immediately fucking come at you the harkonnen's purview is that the fremen are just a fucking bunch of scraggly whatever dudes scrappy hang, little nobody whatever just hanging out in the desert and they should just be lucky that they are not consumed by worms and he thinks that they all live in like these like primitive little huts and that they're out there just fucking just do, in living in fear of the worms and barely surviving. But what he doesn't understand is that the Fremen on Dune, they are the real controllers of the planet. And they actually are one of the most it, up to the Betty Jesser never thought that they'd have competition. They didn't know that the Fremen would actually be that competition to the point. Well, and then I mean, because they release. Right. So Jessica, yeah. Jessica and Paul, the getaway. Right. Yes. They are immediately, they understand that they're in a lot of danger. They get scooped up. They get scooped up by an ornithopter, which these ornithopters are these Please fucking giant. Please explain because that was one cool of the first. They're cool as hell. <laughs> that was one of the first things like, okay, I guess it's an ornithopter. You know what I mean? Like when you're yes, reading of it course, as a non-sci-fi uh, enthusiast. It's a helicopter that looks like a bug. <laughs> And I think that's cool as fuck. And it's got like wings that catches the. Because basically, Duncan Idaho slips down. He's just like, I'm coming after you. I'll see you in the future. And now that's the first time that Paul understands that something might be a little bit different about him. Because he is. He has a vision? He's just. Not quite yet. He's found out that his father has died and he doesn't know quite what to do about it. Like he knows it immediately because there's a letter from Dr. Yui when they crash that has the Duke signet ring. Mobby. Oops. I killed you. Free Britney. Free Britney. And Duncan Ino comes down in Ornithopter, sees them. He says, like, I'm going to come back. Paul realizes something's a little different because he's like, I recognize that was Duncan Idaho flying that Ornithopter just by the weird little idiosyncrasies that I know about Duncan. He's like, I saw kind of the way, like all of these weird little traits that Duncan would do. I saw it in the way he was flying this copter. And I know that's not just my Benny Jesserit training because Jessica has been giving him secret Benny Jesserit training on the side. Uh, and he is, he was just like, but that's not my training. Benny, 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 Benny Jesserit. Jesserit. We should save that. <laughs> 
that's that's our Weird Al Dark Hook. We're gonna get this I on am, TikTok. I am working on a Dune parody uh, song album. This uh, is you huge. Get in on that. I, I can't believe I didn't tell you about this. No, no I'm, I'm here. I've been writing an entire Dune parody. I'm here. I'll do all the rap. <laughs> you know how much I like desert rap. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast: your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life. And they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why... As I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at. 
see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So they get scooped up by Duncan. I know finally comes back and gets them. They go into the first CH that they ever saw. So the thing was that Duke Leto, when they were first all talking about this bullshit while he was still alive, he wanted to get in control of these, but they thought that these Imperial, like there are these stations out in the desert. And they were always thought for years that these things were inoperable. They were just kind of out in the desert. And they essentially to the Harkonnens, he was like, ah, fuck it. We don't need anything to deal with these bullshit outposts. We don't need these. Duke Leto got really interested in them because he thought that they were filled with spice. The Imperials hold on spice. And he wanted to get some for himself because he started to understand, oh, I have to be Trixie Trixies because everybody else is Trixie Trixies around me. But guess what? He got fucked. And he's not because he's not. He's not. Tricks, he's he's too pure. He's yeah. too good. He, he finally gets scooped by these Fremen, and they go into one of these Imperial holding areas. And it turns out the Fremen are a little bit more cunning than they ever thought. This is the first, like, sight into it. Because Paul, his brain, realized, oh, fuck. Because for years, they were saying, they were talking about how do we terraform Dune? That's, like, one of the big questions that comes out in the first chunk of the book. Because everyone's saying, like, there's no water here. And it's this massive fucking problem. But we've terraformed planets all over the universe. Why the fuck don't we just terraform Dune? And I know the answer to this question, but uh, we're not supposed to know the answer to this question. Now this we point. know the answer to the question, which is, for they kept saying that it was too expensive and no one wanted to do it. They thought it was this weird bribe thing going on with but this. They thought that the, the Space Guild was doing... It's because it, of the Sandworm's relationship to Spice Generation, We still right? don't know that okay. part well, yet. Well, that's what I was saying! No, 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 but what we find out <laughs> is that... It's not the Harkonnens and the Imperium that were mm. bribing the Space Guild. It was the Fremen themselves saying that we don't want these weather satellites here because if we basically will cut a deal with the Space Guild on our own and just give them spice because what they wouldn't discover if they put up these weather satellites is that the Fremen have a massive underground system that they have been living in since the dawn of fucking time on Arrakis. Yes. And they are highly organized and they are already in the process of terraforming Dune. And they have all the secrets when it comes, and probably one of my favorite things in the, especially the first book, is they have all the secrets when it comes to water conservation. All of it. And they know everything about the, con. they know every single thing about the planet. They've been working with Liet Keynes, this planetologist that was supposed to be a member of the Imperium. But Liet Keynes at this point has basically become a Fremen. He is a Fremen. He's married to a Fremen woman. He's a part of a CH. He is loyal to the Fremen. And what his overall arching goal would be to terraform Dune and make it so that we don't have to have anybody else on this fucking planet telling us what to do. But he's playing a long game. But it's not revealed until so the, they showed up. So the Fremen are us starting uh, podcasts back in the... <laughs> Yeah, yes, but less physically able. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, mama. These guys are ripped fucking These shredded. guys are fucking lean, though. Killers. Lean, though, they, because the way that they handle with water and everything, I mean, that's one of the fascinating things, right? It's like they're the, the still suits, 
The whole way that they can like turn dead carcasses. They conserve they can you. drain the water from them. Well, I mean, if they, that's how that's a part of their thing. They believe that any expression that would involve water, like crying or or is it like it is sacred. Like they because yes. they've they've trained their bodies to not cry. Yes. So that if you really do feel pain, they'll be like, oh, see. He sheds his water for him. Yes. Which is this incredible touching moment of like when you first know when Stilgar first goes to meet with Duke Leto and they have that meeting because Duke Leto's trying to woo them to work with the Fremen because he has an inkling understanding like I think these guys are fucking badasses and we need to work with them. And that the Stilgar looks at him and he's just like, I see that we will share water then. Our tribes will join. And then they sat and they, they stare at each other and then he spits on the table mm. and everyone's like, oh, and goes for their swords <laughs> and shit. And then Duke Lady's like, hold, hold. <laughs> that is a sign of honor. And then everyone's like, yeah. yeah. They fucking pull out the blunt. Well, fuck yeah. Start sucking each other's dicks. They're <laughs> like, a little bit more water's going to get fucking shit. Know, this is going to happen right well, now. Um, yeah. But now that... So Paul is with Leah Keynes and they're kind of having negotiations. They're stuck underneath this ground. They're, they are, they, she finally sees, he's like, oh fuck, they got tech. They got all the globe shit. They're, they're working. There's labs here. There's a whole sophisticated thing, especially with the pack that he gets from Dr. Yui. He gets the thumper, which he had never seen before. It's like all of this shit. He gets a still tent. He gets a the sand snorkel. He gets all of this bullshit. Don't even laugh. This is real tech. This is high tech Fremen tech. The thumper. Is a pocket. It's one of those remote controlled butt plugs. Oh, okay. It's for when you're a lawyer, but you're also kinky as hell and you need to just fucking kick up a Tuesday. Herbert is just a fucking big bearded, big titty boy, just like me, just hungry for experience. So Leah Keynes and Paul are having like a a standoff because they're sitting here and they're talking a little bit. Paul has now become a little bit more of an adult than he ever thought he ever would. So up until this point, Paul is not sure what the hell he is. He has a moment before they go into this meeting. It's the first example of what we call prescience or his vision into the future. And also the first sign that he's got like some kind of tendency. And also he's a natural mentat. He's all of it. He has Benny Jesserit training. He's a Quitsack Haderach. And also he could have definitely gone to mentat school. So he's got like a problem relating to people. Like, you're going to see immediately that Paul is actually very frightening, especially to his own mother, which is kind of like, oh, fuck you. You wanted this. You made him. And now you're afraid of the Quitsack Hatterack because she sees this view in his face because he seems to understand like, oh, shit's going to be different now. He can see in the past. He could see all realms of the future. He can see all realms of the present. The way he talks about it is like, he's like, the future is just now. Like, you're sitting with your mom. Everybody's dead. Everybody knows fucking dead. You're sitting in a tent. Like, that is just like a big old, like, it's just a giant nipple with a sphincter on it, right? And you're inside of this tent, you're in the middle of a sandstorm, and then you turn to your mom, and you're like, I can see the fucking future. Um, The future is like a flag. It's like, what do you call it? It's like a a ribbon in the wind. Mm. And it's like, every statement changes the future. And it's like, why did you do this to me? What am I? He's literally Matthew McConaughey in True Detective. He's like, time's a flat tire call. He's right. (laughs) Time's a fucking construct. That's another thing with PKD, too. PKD also talked about the fact that time's not real, which I guess is what happens when you do, do a lot so of fucking much cocaine. cocaine. It just turns you into a fucking uh, ambulance-chasing lawyer. Yeah, it so can, much. but some of those guys are just interested in money. But <laughs> So he has this kind of idea that there's something else going on, and he's not quite sure what it is. Liat Keynes 
to the Fremen, which you'll find out, he's become sort of their god leader too, because he was an off-worlder. But when he showed up and explained all of these things about the planet and what he learned, and then he fell in love with the Fremen culture so much, and he understood, honestly, he understood their superiority. Like he understood that these are, they are in very loyal tribe systems. They are, they are unfallibly, they, they listen to their CH leader. They are um, incredibly forceful. They can kill a group of Sardaukar. They talk about how three of them can fight a hundred Sardaukar, the most elite fighting force in the universe. So what, genuine question, what keeps them, at the, and I know that obviously soon they're going to have some, maybe they might have like a leader or something that might push them to do this, but I don't know how, come, well. how come at this point they have not then just overthrown all the bullshit? Uh, are they, is it literally just because they don't have that one guiding force to lead them into that? Or is it just because they're just trying to kind of stay low and just build up their whole empire, a little mini empire? I don't know. I think It's not clear. I think in my mind though, I think Truly, it's about we're already dealing with our own shit. Like, fuck Harkonnens. We'll deal with it like when we want to. Like, we essentially can go kill them anytime we want. We are on a long game of terraforming Dune without any of these fuckers knowing. And they just don't know that we're living our whole lives. And he knows that as soon as we tell the Harkonnens, like as soon as we show up and if you go for them and then you miss... And if you don't completely fucking kill them, the Imperium is going to show up with legions and legions of Sardaukar yes. and blow up your whole fucking lives. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. Ar- Ar- Arrakis will become like, I believe what it's called, uh, Secunda. I forget the, the planet that the Sardaukar come from, which is the, a prison planet. Can we say one of the coolest things about the Freeman that like no longer happens now, but is like one of the things that we learn about what they used to be able to do? What? And I think this is another reason why they maybe haven't like arranged an attack yet. What? They used to be able to fucking ride the dope giant sandworms. Oh, they don't just used to. They continue to. <laughs> yeah. They do. That's oh, how okay. they get around. Okay. The I worms- forgot whether I thought it was um and, and re-catching up with the plot. I thought that it was something that didn't happen as much no, anymore. You see, oh no, no. They they yeah, are they, they live. They just have been keeping that kind of on the DM. They don't want anybody don't want to no have one to know anything that. to do with the worms. Yeah. Because what you'll find out is that the worms are their god. It's Shai Halud. They worship and venerate the worms because the worms poop out spice and because they poop out the spice which makes them them makes right them feel nice it make, poop out the spice it makes, makes you feel, feel nice, nice. <laughs> you get some get some and by okay. nice it makes me feel like ah, ah! at first but then you get addicted to it and then you can't leave the planet which is also what paul realizes as they're sitting around he's like oh there's no escape for us we are now on arrakis because what happens is as you get used to the constant permeation of spice just in the air you get addicted to it and you can't not have it it kills you to not have it yes. like so it's a poison and a cure all at once and it's like oil it's that concept of like you're yes. fucking addicted to it yeah um so he meets up with Liet Keynes and Liet Keynes was saying he's kind of become this de facto god emperor quote unquote of his group of Fremen. They worship him. They, they you know, praise Liet. Liet becomes kind of short-term for God, not unlike Shai Halud, which is their real God of their, like, cosmological religion, but he's kind of their focal point. And then you have Paul shows up, and they have this tete-a-tete. And essentially, Paul says, like, you know I'm Neo, right? Like, your people think I'm Neo. And Liet, in his own way, the first, like, he doesn't want any God competition because he's like, oh, we can't, you're literally a child. I am a man of the desert. Your child telling me that you're Neo. I don't care because I'm the god here. So they have this tip, but finally, like, Liet's just like, there's something about this keyed. 
there's something about him. He sees that and he's like, okay, we could, let's bond together. Let's join our tribes to figure out. All of a sudden, Harkonnen show up. They follow Duncan Idaho. We see, which is now, it's a scene now that I have to know because this is for all of y'all. We see Duncan Idaho get murdered by Sardaukar that are obviously in Harkonnen outfits, right? Like he's killing a bunch of people. But there's this flash when we see Duncan Idaho die in the hallway trying desperately to save Paul. Paul looks back, the sphincter closes, and then they leave to go out into the desert. They jump in an ornithopter that's left by Liat Keynes, and he's like, you're going to do this thing that we know as Fremen we can do, but no one else knows that we can do. You're going to take that ornithopter, you're going to jump into a sandstorm, the sandstorm that they've been told again and again and again, destroy Everything he touches and kills can strip the, the fucking skin from a person. And he's like, you're going to jump into this thing and you're going to go and you're going to ride the top of the sandstorm. And then I'm going to tell dudes on the other side, they're going to find you because we know where the sandstorm's going. Meanwhile, like Paul's like, what? because he's like, that's a lot of shit that, you know, that I had no fucking clue <laughs> that you knew how to do. Because he's still constantly learning like, oh, these motherfuckers are for real. Yeah. Like, they got a lot of shit going on. And so they leave. But the scene of Duncan Idaho dying. Is going to leave reverberations throughout the rest of the series. My God. Because this is, it's weird because it's in Dune 1. I don't know if he meant it. Because in Dune 1, it's kind of like that cool guy's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, that cool warrior dude's kind of dead. But yeah. then it turns out like, oh, this is like the most important part of all of the books. Weirdly enough. Yes. <laughs> because Paul sees him. And then what you and I hold and know about the books is that. That's going to be that last look is like a thing that is shared forever. Like Paul does this thing when they're in the desert where like Duncan Hyde is like, do you want my shield, young lord? And he's just like, I tell you what, Paul, your right arm is shield enough for me. And it's like this weird trust he gave Duncan Idaho, which is like, okay, but then it's very important. And now you're asking, well, how? Why is this the most important character? He dies right here and... I also, yeah, like page three hundred. You also know that book uh, four. I mean, these are thousands of years in the future. How could that possibly be? You will find out these things. Also, just remember, every single time you think you're about to say goodbye to a character in Dune, and you miss that character, just know it's coming back <laughs> in a way that you might be like. Why'd you do this? <laughs> Why is this coming back? Why yes. is this guy coming yes, back? Yes. And it's like, he keep they keep coming back. So don't yes. worry about it. Anybody you like, they show back up at some point, except for Liet Keynes. Liet Keynes is just dropped off in the middle. Of I like forgot about Liet Keynes. That's a spoiler, by the way, because he's a big, <laughs> he's a big character. Yeah. In that first book, in that part. But. He is very big because he teaches them all the vague, small things that they even know about the desert. That's kind of what he served to do. It's like the last version of like, Things used to be normal on this planet. Things used to have an order. Yeah. Liet Keynes was their little god. Um, Harkonnens were, you know, they were there for 85 years. Just, you know, doing their little horrible thing on this planet. Working their people, working the people of Arrakis. Because there are people that are on Arrakis that are city bound. Mm. Right? Or just humans that live there that are from other parts of the Imperium. Um, they're all probably mixed with some Fremen. But mostly the Fremen are, are both a myth. And a fear and all of this shit. They just live out in the desert. They don't want to have anything to do with the water fat people of the cities. Yes. And uh, that's why you have to look at Paul as this distillation of every single strong element in this universe, or at least this civilization, because he's got the Benny Benny. He's, he's got Benny Jesserit training. He's got the Freeman knowledge now. Soon, Soon. especially when he fully becomes he's in Freeman. The we'll at least say he's now in the pocket 
to learn all the shit from the Freeman. He's got all of this just bureaucratic knowledge of the of the all the different strategic. He's learned how to be a propaganda artist. He's learned how to be a political maneuver. Is that the term? Is that a term? Sure. He's just a fucking, he is all of these things. He's Karl Rove, if Karl Rove with Timothy Chamelay, and then if if also he could do karate, which yes. Timothy Chamelay can't do. He's got Ralph one Macchio meets Timothy Chamelay meets um, Martin Luther King. <laughs> meets um, uh, Neo. Neo. So it's all of these things at yeah. once. Uh, but he, we don't really know quite yet the full extent of what's going to happen with Paul because the one thing we'll learn about the Quitsack Hatterack is that every fucking person, every one of these fucking people think that they're the ones that have control over the Quitsack Hatterack. That these some kind of fucking puppet, the Benny Jesserit think they got him under control, the fucking Fremen think that they'll get him under control, but they don't understand that he's the fucking spark that's going to set this whole fucking planet on fire. I want to throw out, though, the reason why the Benny Jesserit, okay, because I and I've been biting my tongue about Missionaria Productiva, because you already kind of mentioned the religion of the Freeman, and I do want to sort of instill this maybe concept at this point, unless it's too early. But I also want to say that the reason why the Bene Gesserit, who, as we already said, are so brilliant, are these puppeteers of the universe at this point, have been working so hard to create this chosen one and then use this chosen one for all for of their, their own power. But the reason why you're, you're thinking like, well, then why is it throwing them off so hard? Well, the reason for that is because it just jumped the gun a bit. They well, did not expect Jessica to have this man. They thought there was going to be a whole nother generation that's before their the chosen one was going to happen. That's their reasoning okay. but uh, my my view is that is, you create the monster and then like it'll never be under your control you think you want this thing yeah you think you want this this powerful tool because what they're actually they don't understand is that they're closer to the harkonnens than they think they are because number one one thing that's revealed this is a spoiler as he's sitting in his prescient fucking sway he realizes not only can i could see all these paths so i can actually see who your father is, mom, because the Benny Jesserit, they also keep everything secret about their, where they come from yes. and the DNA lines that they're trying to contribute because they want you to number one, be able to fuck whether or not that guy turned out to be your brother. Like they want, they, because they might want that. They're building up certain qualities in people. What do you find out is that Jessica is a child directly of Vladimir Harkonnen. Bum, bum, bum. And so she carries his genes and you find out like they didn't even, they they talked about the Quitsack Hatterack and they floated all this shit, but they wanted them to combine Harkonnen and, and Atreides. Atreides. would create the Quitsack Hatterack, but they thought Jessica was not going to have a boy. Well, and they thought it was, was just different. for political gain. They thought it was for political gain. We're going to bring these two upstart shitty houses that are fighting all the time. We're going to bring them together. Then we're going to marry that to whatever, because they're praying that the emperor would have a son. Like, that's the big thing, is that the emperor has not had a son. All we know is, like, now when you read the books, you see these words, like, at the beginning of each chapter that come from Princess Irulan, who is the emperor's daughter. But yes. he has no sons. There is no heir. So this idea of, like, it's basically, they had to create all of this shit. It's, a, like, a long game, but they were completely fucking wrong. Yes. Uh, but now Paul, who's his whole life, has been trained. Because remember, in the first book, it's just supposed to be Atreides versus Harkonnen. They're the bad guys, right? So his whole life, he's been trained to hate Harkonnens. But it turns out, he is one. So now he yes. has to, like, figure it. He has to roll this around in his head. Cut to Harkonnen. Harkonnen is 
Oh, I'm so Ugh. filled. So filled. And he say, he tries to explain everybody because he's like, we must go. He calls in his best boy, Beast Raban. Right. Beast Raban is described as ugly of face and of body. <laughs> Almost fat enough for suspensers because Harkonnen, he doesn't be like, you will earn his suspensers one day. You can tell by his girth. He's so excited for one. Because imagine that being able to give your son right. like his first suspenders. I like that one part where he orders a pizza and then just drains an entire slice of grease into a cup, drinks the cup, and throws the pizza away. Pizzas for losers. <laughs> uh, I drink only the grease. Just the essence. The pure essence. The Do not waste essence. the Grease, or you uh, will be sent to death. You he, want to face the mighty wrath of Beautiful. <laughs> he believed in not wasting any grease, and he that always. was very similar to the Freeman, but it was uh, more disgusting. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs but if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So now that they have been blown up a second time, Paul and Jessica, the guy comes to Baron Arconi and says, like, no, listen, boss, this time we definitely got him. There ain't no way that anybody's going to make it one of them sand dogs, boss. And he's just like, well, show me the bodies. Which, again, remember, no body, no crime. All yeah. of you out there, if you're going go. to commit wow, murder, get rid of the body. Ta- you referenced the Taylor Swift song off of Evermore. I did? Yes. <laughs> it's called No Body, No Crime? Yes. Is this one of her Bonnie Vare, like everybody's Haim crying is bullshit? Featured, Haim is featured on it. Uh, Corey Haim? He's no. dead. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Are they named after Corey Haim? They just took a bunch of different clips from the various TV shows he was on, and, and that's how they got him on the song. I can say, I don't think I've ever heard a note of Haim. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know, because you I'm too busy. You heard it at a Starbucks. I'm you too busy it. with Dune. You heard it at, you heard it unbeknownst to yourself at, at a Old Navy or whatever it is. Is it the one that goes like, you want it? You, you got it. it. Yeah, you, you want, want it. Baby, you got it. It's Dune. <laughs> is that it? Yes. I just put Dune in Especially all songs. the part where they said it's Dune. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So, she calls his Beast Raban in. Beast Raban is a fucking motherfucker. I, I hate this guy. I don't want to hear anything about this I guy. I love this guy. Love this guy <laughs> because it's him and his younger brother, Fade Routha, right? Those are the two Harkonnen like yes. heirs. So the ones are going to be taking over the whole fucking shebang. And he decides because he needs money. Because one thing that they found out, because Thufir Howitt, who we'll get to next, Thufir Howitt, he kind of estimated, and we'll find out it's true, is that whatever it was, that it took Baron Harkonnen to bring this massive fleet of soldiers. Because the thing that what it took is like the entire Atreides force was on Arrakis and they got blown up. The Atreides force, they've been fucking kicking ass across the universe for fucking decades. They decided to, the Harkonnens pulled out all the stops. They spent what he said, he estimated it would take 60 years of spice output to match 
what they spent uh, on the uh, the invasion. Because also the tricksy, tricksy thing that Duke Leto did is that he destroyed all the private stores of spice on Gandhi Prime in this big suicide attack that basically uh, it laughed like the Harkins are kind of fucked right now mm. because they spent all of their money on this shit. So the Beast Rabin, who's a fucking rapist and a murderer and like one of the worst motherfuckers on the face of the planet, he's like, you're now in charge of Dune. Your job is to get me fucking income. And without what's going to require for you to do is squeeze. I need you to squeeze. Which I actually understand. Because it's me screaming at like my accountant. Right, right, right. About taxes. Yes, yes. About how illegal squeeze. your tax situation is. So we shouldn't say these things to a microphone. I'm legal. I'm paid up. <laughs> He's above board. And so uh, now, he, but, so what they have in their hands is Thufir Hawat, who is the head mantad assassin for the Atreides. This guy's a fucking real deal, but what they, we, we got to discover, because you remember in the first episode, they floated this idea where they try to make everyone suspicious of Jessica, that Jessica was going to be the traitor. Because they always said the whole thing is that it would be no one anybody would suspect, and the very nature of the traitor would destroy the heart of the Atreides family. So Thufir Hawat, using this information and his mental abilities, said, it's Jessica. So they have a big confrontation at one point when everything is still, before everything blows up. So now he still thinks it's Jessica. But now he is in the Harkonnen's hands. He's going to be in the Harkonnen's hands quickly because first you see Thufir Hawat hanging out with these Fremen. They help him get out. And you see one of the coolest fucking scenes in this book, which is him watching from a cave hole the Fremen fucking destroy an entire fleet of Saudakar in a suicide run. They basically steal, they they go, they steal a fucking ornithopter quick from these like a bunch of Saudakar to kill everybody. Did you say the Saudakar, they are the Emperor's They're the Emperor's special soldiers. Yes, they're the Emperor's new groove. They're the Emperor's new groove. They've been stuck in, but they've also, they're wearing Harkonnen outfits. So people think that they're Harkonnens because that's a part of the whole cover up, right? Yeah, okay. And so they go in, they fucking, they blow up this whole space school thing. It's fucking wild. Doofier sees shit happening and he's just like, this is the most amazing thing I've never seen such daring. I have never seen such taught men all so loyal to fight. What an underwhelming reaction. Oh, well, this is just simply, I like this. <laughs> I'm glad they could do this. Because he was hoping in the end, I want to join up with the Fremen. Yeah. They had known from the very beginning, oh, the Fremen, we think they might be pretty intense. And then when they did that, he's just like, oh, yeah. But then he immediately gets caught by the Harkonnens. But this is the thing. So... <laughs> Harkonnen's got this mentat. Yes. And the Harkonnen mentality, which is the truth. They replace with this mentat. With this mentat. And he got, Harkonnen gets really pissed in this scene because the guy goes and he's just like, I see that you actually murdered your mentat. Because he thought he would be like saying something cool to Baron Harkonnen. But he gets pissed. He's like, I never waste a weapon without extensively thinking about it is he really does view people around him as tools and weapons and so he really wasn't done with petter yet when petter was murdered he was pissed because he needed his mentat assassin now he's got a new mentat assassin through fear howard but the thing is with these guys is that mentats they don't necessarily have house loyalty they can learn it and you can okay. earn a Mentat's loyalty up to a point. But at the end of the day, they're as robotic as a human could possibly be in the sense of like they don't have big emotional connections. They're not supposed to because and if they have these emotional connections, they can't do the far view yeah, sightings of all of the computations that they need to do. So also, too, on top of that, Thufer believes that Jessica is the one that 
shat the whole bed here. So therefore, that answers my question I posed at the beginning, which is why did Harkonnen replace Howard, who was coming from the Atreides house? Uh, yes. Uh, with, uh, yeah, why did he employ him is because he actually perceived him as being both in his pocket and at the same time not emotionally connected in any way to any of this. But also what he does to Thufir Hawat before anybody knows or what he before Thufir knows. Is yeah, that, that part where he tickles his knees and I was like, ew, why yeah, are you that doing this? That's a pro- inappropriate. Like, Dude, this is creepier than what I do with my boys. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Let me see your reflexes. I <laughs> <laughs> kicks. I hit him with a little mallet and his foot kicks. This is the best yeah, game scene, I've ever seen. That scene made me want to throw the book in the fireplace. Was like 20 pages on fucking knee reflexes. <laughs> But he uh, he decides to put secret poison in Thufir Howitt's food mm. and then puts the antidote for the poison in other parts of his food. So what Thufir Howitt doesn't know is that he's about to be completely chained up to the Harkonnens. Uh, and he will try to fight, but now they ba- he's just like, he's fixing, fixing him, fixing him. Plans within plans within mm. plans. But that's the, it's it's hard because you can't get a, a, you can't get a Mentaz loyalty. You have to fucking work it out. Like you have to, use their information against them because he's hoping because he, he, he kind of openly says that the Tleilaxu were supposed to send him a new evil Mentat because the problem with evil Mentats are needed for evil people because normal Mentats twisted yeah as it's twisted. twisted Mentats you have to be able to like a Mentat's supposed to be able to use all computations to kind of come up with the best decisions possible for anybody in any scenario, right? Like, and it's supposed to be logical and it's supposed to be cost effective and it's supposed to be like strategic, each one. But an evil Mentat will tell you how to do all that, but evil. An evil accountant. That's You just need an, it's like one of those guys who used to work for the mob, but yeah. fucking, where is this guy? It's like, I, need I got guy. a guy for you to do your taxes. This guy doesn't give a fuck. I need that guy. <laughs> where is the, where this is he? This guy gives no shits about legalities. Because I also put it, this also comes from a Dune companion. Let's see if they also going to explain a mentat even better. A mentat is a human trained to possess computer-like logic and computational ability. A mentat's abilities are heightened through the use of Sappho juice, which is if you see in the David Lynch movies, it's the same thing where their lips are all purple. Yes. But I don't know the difference between Sappho juice and spice, but I know they get it's spice different. eventually. It's different, it's but different. so many juices in Dune. It's funny. The physical difference is behind blue eyes when it comes to yeah. the spice. You have blue eye- eyeballs. But you got pink lip. When you got the pink lip, that means you that Tlela. You just that Tlelaxu dip. <laughs> because this man, the Tlelaxu, I can't wait till we get to book three to talk about the Tlelaxu. Yeah, I was about to say, don't even worry about... So anyway, book two I know and we three. said that word, and then I said that word, but just don't even worry the about it. The book two and three, I love the Tleilaxu. <laughs> We're going to get into the face dancers. We're going to get into the idea of these gigantic... It's an entire planet of just biotubes making human creatures. Yeah. I fucking love that shit, Very dude. interesting stuff. Um, But so, Thufir Hawat has been captured by the Harkonnens. Paul and Jessica are in the middle of this fucking storm. And she is really, really scared of Paul at this point. Paul's getting kind of an inch. And what Paul lets loose a little bit is when he went into his meeting with Liet Keynes and he kind of drops, he's like being real adult in that meeting where he says like a button, like threatens this dude. This guy could fucking cut his face off, right? He's thre- he's like really intense and he's still like, and now I'm seeing him as, as Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong. So it's like Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong goes into the office of a warrior king and he's just like, I'm the Duke now. And you will see 
I will wield more power most effectively. And you have to be like, I guess I take this guy yeah, super yeah. seriously or whatever, because he's fucking 95 pounds, but everybody's bowing to him. <laughs> but he apparently had been operating that whole time under the guise of second sight. I don't want to talk about the prescience until we get into book two. Yeah. Because uh, book yeah. two is a little bit. Or even until he goes through the test. The, the spice, spice agony. agony. Well, well, spoiler alert, by the way, not only. Yeah, yeah. Could, uh, yeah. Well, he might yeah. also become. I don't know what he's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this book. He just ended up uh, both Jessica, who's not a river mother yet. And Paul, who also might want to go through this process, just ended up in a situation where they're fucking nuts deep in spice. spice and they just have to <laughs> because. He blames it on that. He's saying he he starts to understand like, oh, my powers are starting to kick in because I'm soaked with the spice just from eating it in the spice coffee because they eat it in their food. They eat it in their drink. It's just it's the, literally what happened to L.A. when weed got legal. It's, it's just, just I am weed. Right yes, now. <laughs> like, I have to have it to smile. Possible item I could put in my body now can be infused with weed if I'd like it to be. Do you need weed tampons? Yes. They are there. Do you need weed shoes? You can get them. They're all hemp they shoes. Got these too, even they got the light up ones. Hemp was fucking shut down by the fucking cotton industry, dude. Because you don't fucking get it. Hemp was multiple use. You can eat the seeds, dude. You can make bread from it and rope. This is actually a Freeman talking about water. <laughs> uh, to, to a board, a very bored uh, <laughs> But what he understands, Paul, because of his second sight, he made all of the decisions he made. He was seeing it from the present into the future and was aping a future version of himself. So he said he was walking in steps. And then when they got into the ornithopter, he stepped into a blank point of his prescience. And so he didn't know whether or not this shit was going to work out Mm. at all. But you start to see, oh, this second sight that everyone's going to say later on, he's so blessed to know the future. That he right. knows how to move to make everything safe, and he knows what to do in order to get the best outcomes for everybody. But it's also a thing you're chained to. Yeah, it's a curse, and and it's also uh, a gigantic responsibility because now I think one of the biggest overall concepts of this book is everybody knows what's best for the universe. Everybody, everybody knows. knows. Everybody, the they all the, the emperor, the fucking the Harkonnen, the they fucking all know what's so Everybody the knows. And so the, this is the story of like maybe one person who actually might know and can actually do something about control it. it and yeah, maybe he'll change everything. Or maybe we're not supposed, supposed to, know. to know and supposed to have this kind of control because at the end of the day, it might create a weird utopia dystopia or then my, yeah, a 4,000 year reign of a yes. emperor Pirate worm, worm God. But yeah. you know, that's all again, we're skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead. So much. I see a worm with like a tiny mustache. It's so hard to get it to stick to this fucking worm. That's why in my mind, every time he has one of these prescient like outbreaks, I see him like, Seeing into book five, a scene yeah. from book five, a scene from book three, Terrifying. a scene from before the, book has, one. At this point, we should say like, because we're making it sound and like then he sees us doing this podcast. We're ma- yeah, right. He sees us doing it. We're making it sound like he he has uh, he doesn't have the control. No, he has he no control later. Like he's very it's very unwieldy. Oh, no, it zips in and out. He's thing. a child. It's the first time it's happening to him. And yeah. The spices are waking it into him. Yes, it's starting to understand. Oh, fuck. Like. 
I'm a superhero. Yeah. But I didn't want to be one. I didn't want this shit. You guys made me this, but now I guess I'm in charge. It's Peter Parker, yeah. And so he's yeah. in this ornithopter. He's driving around. He is crazed. And, you know, his mommy is like super like, you're not being a baby right now. And they fucking go through all of the, he gets through the vortex and they manage to land and find themselves out in the middle of the desert. So they have survived. But despite what everybody said that there was going to happen, they made their way through the storm. They're now landed. But they, and they have all of this gear, right? They have all of this desert gear and they didn't know how to use it. But somehow he can access his memories and say like, I know what this thing is. I know what a thumper does. What we'll do with the thumper is it's this mechanism that you stick into the stand and it goes boom, 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 boom. And it tracks a worm to it. And then you can go the opposite way. And then what you have to walk, he also remembers from his memory, you have to walk in the desert not like a man would. Like you can't make a dispute, like, which I also is like, it's one of those ecological like winks where the whole point is that the way to survive in the desert is that you're supposed to be of the desert. And I think it's very important to remember because I think it's also, there's like a magical thought in there too. Or there's something about how if you want shit to line up in your life, a good way to do it is to slide into an environment where you are now working in concurrence with the environment instead of against it. Where he knows that the only way for me to not attract a worm is I have to move like an animal would that wouldn't be a human. So you have to go step, stop, slide, step, step, slide, pause, step. When you're in the desert, it's a long time. So yada, 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 they arrive at the Sietch. Uh, and we're, that's where we're going to come up. We're going to start next episode and talk about the my favorite scene in Dune 1, which is them all meeting up for the first time. Right. Because what I love about this is that, because again, we've only heard tell of the powers of the Bene Gesserit and the powers of the Fremen. And watch them like, but France is fucking sweet. Uh, I mentioned a phrase, and we can hold off until next week if you want, but I did mention a phrase uh, that was in our notes for this week, Missionaria Protectiva. The Missionaria Protectiva is... You know, we mentioned how Benny, Benny and the Jetsaret were uh, essentially trying to be puppeteers of the universe after the robots were defeated in the giant robot war that never really gets talked they about that much. They filled a gape <laughs> that was there. And they understood, I think in a way, that like on Earth, I think women... I'm mean, maybe going on here in a, a well, lot of fucking long. Watch your watch. Check yourself before you fucking wreck. Here's yourself. the thing about women <laughs> is that they um were abused a lot on the planet Earth. And oh, they yeah. actually were in a secondary position. Once we got rid of all of the moon religions and we became mostly a solar religion based, and we all of the Christianity. Orange Catholic Bible, we can talk about it some other time. All this kind of bullshit, <laughs> how we became essentially a patriarchy uh, by subjugating the creative power of women. And they, we, did, we did that. We controlled them because we were afraid of them. The Bene Gesserit decided, what if there was a future where women were totally in charge? And women... We're the puppeteers of the universe. Yes. And I think that that's, they, then they did it. They tried it. And this is the missionary protectiva definition from the Dune Companion. A propaganda arm of the Bene Gesserit. I find it interesting that this person calls it propaganda. Mm -hmm. The missionary protectiva was a cadre of missionary-like sisters of the order who seeded the known universe with prophecy patterns for the protection of other Bene Gesserit personnel who might venture to backwater worlds, quote unquote, backwater worlds. So what they have is they decided to act just 
like colonizers. They decided to create religion in different spaces, just, create just, legends just to help and myths. To create hook points yes. for the Bene Gesserit to show up and be in a place that when we show up, okay, if we show up on a planet that we're not maybe ready for, well, at least there'll be precedent for we are in control and that we are a safe group here. And what they didn't know is that this missionary, a protectiva person, went with a long time ago, arrived in Arrakis and gave him the concept of Modib. The desert mouse. Yes. The one that the shortens the path, I believe, is the term that they use. Yes. This guy, the Lisan Al Gip. Yes. Because while they have the Quitsack Hatterack, I don't know why they didn't think, oh, we're like creating parallel things here. Yes. Hopefully right? they don't fucking show up together at the same time. What is so great about what we're saying right now is the Bene Gesserit completely fucked themselves in the ass by creating this myth of a chosen one in the Freeman tribe. That they thought was going to help them. And then they literally just through this series of unfortunate events have delivered this concept human to the Freeman in this moment. They and just gave it to him because that's the thing is that now because the Bene Gesserit are... Now it's all, everything's in control. Because the Benny Jesseret, to be fair, did not know that this fix was going down on Doom. No. They did not know. They were not put into the plans. They did not know that there was going to be this war. There's going to be a fake Harkonnen sponsored by the Imperium. Like, allowed, like they didn't know all of this shit was going to happen. So they didn't know that they were going to immediately lose control of the Quitsack. Yes. And, because it went yeah. straight to the Fremen. Yes. Which is this group of ragtag fucking people that Scrappy no one, little nobodies. Nobody had any money on these guys. No one thought these were going to be the guys that were going to lead the galactic jihad. And that word is important. Yes. That word is important in these days. They were going to lead the jihad against the entire universe. Yes. And we're just seeing the little spokes of this wheel. That, that is where we're at at the end of this episode, at the beginning of the next part. This, this union will form. And uh, I think that that is some fascinating... That is some fascinating uh, Herbert at work, like bringing it all together, having it all connect in this crazy way. Frank Herbert would go on to say, and we'll cover this a lot later on, but Frank Herbert will go on to say he thought in his mind he was writing the book. So, I mean, he's insane, but I, I like that about him where he was like, Dune will explain everything. And that's just like, all right, well, okay. We'll fucking see, bro. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if it explains. See, it fucking does it explain all everything right, for Clarissa you? Clarissa, fucking lay well, it down. Then. All right. Why don't we call her and see what Clarissa <laughs> has to say about all this? All right. Honestly, I I could use some help. <laughs> I wish that Clarissa was a resource. Was a co-host of a podcast. We could oh, bring a, her a, in. An executive producer, like somebody, somebody. coming here, just helped it, just, just create more of an explanation. Just right outlines. It's just two friminish men coming into a room once a week and just trying to hammer it all out. Just screaming at each other, and we don't know anything. We don't know how to pleasure our wives. We, we don't know how to fucking make a career better. We literally grapple for the for 30 minutes before we, and then immediately we start recording. We scream and scream and scream, and then we have a hot dog eating competition just to see if we <laughs> one of us will throw up before the show, and then we begin. And then we start. Um, um, but right. hey, and now thank you guys so much for joining us this week for Dunecast. We will be back next week. Um, listen to all the other incredible shows on LPN. Last podcast on the left, Wizard and the Bruiser, Paid Seven Pop History, uh, Abe Lincoln's Top At. It's all out there. But now another selection from Dune Theater.
now join the Baron Harkonnen as he is fit for new suspensers. <laughs> My dear Baron, please get off the ceiling. I may be your tailor, but I'm very busy this day. But what if I like it here on the ceiling? You've got to stop spinning, I'm please. I'm spinning on the ceiling. Spinning, spinning. I make myself sick. Then <laughs> <laughs> I throw it up. I know what now you do. Now I drink to throw I up. I delicious. I'm evil. Now I take my penis out. Yes, we all know with the boy. And did somebody say a little boy? I'll come down for little boys. Please come down. You know, I tell you what, Taylor, it's sometimes lonely at the top. Yes, everyone loves it when a man talks about how difficult it is to be rich and powerful. No one wants to get to know the real me. Because maybe the real you is shitty? Yeah, but that also gives me my bad boy attitude, my reputation, Joan Jett. Please, you know I have to outfit Fade Ralph with a new leather penis hammock this day. Are you yelling at me? Are you telling your Baron what to do? No, I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'll take your hot plug out, and I'll watch you die. And then I'll laugh about it, and then I will fly around the ceiling again. I know that's what you'll do. You've done that to countless tailors before me. Please just come down. How about you come up here? You know I can't. Spinning. Just quit being a villain for one second no. so I can fit you with these new suspensers. I know they're about to give out. Foolish tailor. I will never fall. I did fall. Told you so. Never tell anyone I fell. You know I won't. <laughs> Tell anyone? <laughs> it's too risky. Ugh. I'm gonna have to pull your heart plug. Ah, pull! Fuck! I should have picked a different light. Whack! Yep, you should have been an accountant. Though I did kill all the accountants this morning. Ah, well, I guess I'm just gonna lie here. Without my suspensers, it's very difficult for me to move with my current weight. I don't mind it. And this has been another edition of Dune Theater. Thank you for listening to Deep Dives Dune here on LPN. Uh, make sure to listen to all of the other wonderful shows we have on the LPN network. It's a lot. There's many of them. Last podcast on the left, page seven, Wizard and the Bruiser, uh, Able and Slophead. You, you should go find them. You should go find them. Because they are very good. You will like them. Bye, Big Dooney. Bye-bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855 855- 
438-6442.